Jordan, I think go ahead and introduce yourself. I you haven't been on the podcast, right? So yeah, I've, I've not been on the Long podcast. Long time listener, first time um, caller. I'm, yeah, uh, I'm Jordan. Um, <laughs> I, tell us something. Um, tell us, yeah, give us a little background about yourself. Maybe uh, do where you're from, what is your okay. degree, current occupation, yeah. and I don't know. Take it from there. So um, I'm from uh, Westlake, Ohio, which is a suburb of Cleveland. Um, I have a degree in computer science from uh, Baldwin-Wallace in uh, Berea. And I currently work as an IT director at Beautiful. a private high school in the area. And so. you are dating yeah. Andy? Is that fair to say? Yes. Is that fair to say you're dating Andy? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's, a, it's so that's a kind of your relationship to the yeah. podcast. <laughs> but you were the lucky winner mm -hmm. of our Instagram yeah. story. Who wants to be on the next democracy podcast interview? Yeah. Slide on up. Uh, mm -hmm. Never got to do the. the oh, the you want to do the paint hands? So. Okay. That's more of like a yeah. summer activity, but we'll do that. Okay. How is your. Uh, a... Can you shoot a shotgun? Yeah. Mm. No. So we might need to teach you how to shoot first and then paint later. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Um so I don't know if you heard the last podcast or not. It's irrelevant. What is your opinion of if you had to give like a 30 second pitch of what is democracy or your view of democracy? What is it? I'd say hmm, probably people having an equal say in how they're governed. Okay. That's pretty fair. Through like, through what mechanism, like huh? voting or. I'd say voting. Um, <laughs> in a perfect democracy, it would be <laughs> voting on the issues, but. That's not what's, uh, there's not a whole lot of places where that. So you'd be like, you'd be more in favor of a more direct democracy versus representative. Yeah. Versus representative. Representative. Why is Andy laughing so hard in the background right now? Andy, turn your mic on. I'm not, well, I'm not laughing. I'm eating. He eats like he laughs and. I'm not laughing. This is serious. <laughs> Where are we at? Direct democracy, right? Mm hmm. Direct versus. So, how do you think that would, like, how would you see that working out? Like, even logistically like what uh, in what sense how would you vote on what issues would you vote on how would you do it um like a direct i wouldn't yeah that's the issue i, I feel like it would work out in 
I think the smaller size community that you would want to mm -hmm. implement that in, the more direct you can get. But when you're getting to like larger like bodies of people, you're not going to be able to, you're going to have to just go more and more representative. So like in an, I, it, it would be like a Are scale. Are you describing like, America? <laughs> yeah. Um, what do you think of the, I don't know how engaged you are on Twitter recently. What do you think of all the random Twitter polls that Elon Musk is putting up about decisions on Twitter's, how it will be run going forward? Are you, are you uh, a Twitter user? I'm not, I'm not a huge Huge fan. Okay. I do use Twitter, yeah. Um, I can't. I can't say I'm the biggest fan of the new of the ownership change. Um, For what reason, <laughs> Andy? You can't belch in the middle of our show. <laughs> you might. That was Jordan. <laughs> I can see her mouth. It clearly wasn't her. Um, Okay. It's like a oh, ventriloquist. No, <laughs> also yeah. these uh like these like the slow fade from like one camera to the next is ridiculous. <laughs> like the transition. Hopefully this does make it um out and hopefully it does make it in video format as so <laughs> the management change behind twitter basically just like elon musk i guess yeah yeah what do you what's your opinion on that I like why do you not like it i feel like the way when you go into a company and you start making a bunch of changes like immediately i feel like you can't exactly do that without having a uh like a background on how that company is run. Mm -hmm. So you might not know why things are run the way that they are until you've worked there for say like a year or two. So like him firing, what was it? Like software developers for not like turning out a certain a X amount of lines of code. Yeah which I'm trying to think of how to put this. Well, I mean, it could be, it's difficult to, sorry, I'm moving my setup. It's difficult to like apply. <laughs> sorry, my mic was so low right there. So this is going to be screwed up, but now my mic is at least at phase level. It's difficult to apply like different metrics to people's productivity. I'll give you Yeah. That. So like, yeah, like um, asking for months worth of code or whatever, and then trying to make a determination from there could be tough. I don't know. It'll be interesting to see like so far. I mean, I'm not an avid user, but my experience hasn't changed at all. And as far as I understand it, there were, it was like a significant percentage of the company was laid off. Yeah. There was layoffs. They uh, had a decent amount of decrease in revenue because they stopped. Um, I think they stopped running ads or something. Hmm. Um, or no, they didn't stop running ads. They stopped. 
they stopped doing something. And then they tried to create, get their revenue stream from verified users. And then that went really not well with, I'd say about half the verified users. So they're not going to pay for it. And they only made like, I think in the first month, it was like 300,000 from that source of income. So it's not really... How does it work now? There's like different tiers of verification. Like there's a paid tier and there still is like a separate... I think from what I've heard, there was just the verification tier and that was $8 a month. But I know a decent amount of people aren't paying for that. Like... And the people that like... How were they verifying to begin with? I guess I don't really know. I'm not sure. So... Um, it's a process that like Twitter had gone through. So if you were like a journalist or someone that was like seen highly in the media, um, you would have your account verified just to verify, Hey, this is who it says it is. And they're not like impersonating anyone. So, um, they got rid of that process when Elon took over and, um, Basically, they were able to pay to get the check mark, which could confuse people into thinking um, that there, there's, there was a lot of impersonation mm. happening after that. But didn't they ban people for impersonating other people and not yes. marking it as parody? Yeah. Okay. At a certain point. Oh. But it was after, Been- I think it was like an insulin company or something like that. There was an incident with that where somebody changed their name to the to that company and then said insulin will now be free mm-hmm. and it like tanked that company because they had to release a statement that they're not going to make insulin free. That's actually pretty funny. I yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I I heard that story and I like because I think the way that they framed it in the news article was like this company lost like billions of dollars in valuation. I think it was like a four percent stock decline mm-hmm. that like recovered the following day or like the same afternoon or something so but yeah i mean there definitely is is are problems to that for some reason i was under the impression they still have their like legit like verified people and then there's just like a paid tier and that they have so, like, different colors as of right now they, that's what they do but if you click on it it said this is a legacy account their mm-hmm. check mark will be going away soon hmm. so there was at one point they didn't have the check marks and then it's just been a, he changes the app like once a week <laughs> it's kind of hard to keep up mm-hmm. yeah yeah it'll be an interesting experiment it was definitely a costly acquisition so yeah i'm not really sure what the plan yeah, i think he had to i think he's ended up selling Tesla stock to keep up with, uh, uh, what's it called to keep up with like being able to pay for stuff. So, yeah. Have you followed the Twitter files at all? I have not releases of, I don't know how they're doing it. I guess like Twitter internally investigated things from previously and now they're doing them in like, data dumps to journalists mm-hmm. it's kind of interesting what have, but what have they been investigating um so i know i think the first one dealt with um 
suppression of the Hunter Biden laptop story right before the previous election. And they basically said that they sort of knew there was some validity to the topic, but that they kept it from getting picked up basically by trending and things like that. Oh, I hadn't heard of <laughs> What's that? Oh, I hadn't heard of the... Yeah, there's a few other... I honestly haven't kept up with it that much. That was the one that kind of made news. But it's like it's pretty interesting that they're kind of like releasing dirt on the previous Twitter mm -hmm. regime. Yeah, I think... Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know a whole lot about like how Twitter was run up until Elon uh, Elon bought it out. I did know that um, Twitter wasn't already wasn't doing so well, like financially. I think they had lost like they'd been on like a decline since like so like 2019 or something, something like that. Don't quote me on it though. But they already hadn't been making money, but this kind of cranked it. Yeah. It'll be these social media companies will be kind of fun to follow because they popped so quickly and they pop yeah. basically just on user growth without coming up with any. Well, I mean, at least as far as I can see, they weren't really turning any revenue. They didn't really have any um, like income streams with these. They were just like, how can we get the most users and burn? I mean, they were like burning cash to attract users. So, yeah. And I mean, not every no social media platform is going to be around forever like you see myspace that <laughs> no all these um like efforts that it seems like they're going to start to employ to make money off of these things really like tank <laughs> the experience mm -hmm. of the user yeah yeah like con like when youtube switched from like one ad that you could like skip to like the multiple ads and then putting multiple ads in the same video just spread throughout and like Hulu you get ads after it. <laughs> every TV show all right let me try to get us back on the democracy trend I took us definitely off the rails with Twitter well but I guess what I wanted to say was like what do you think about the He's like using direct democracy via like via the poll feature to make decisions on Twitter. What do you think of that? Mm. I don't know though. I feel like in that case, a Twitter poll to make decisions, I'd say you'd have to announce when the Twitter poll was going up, make make it more clear the issues that would be voted upon in the Twitter poll and make it available maybe for more than 24 hours. Hmm. And then somehow enforce multiple accounts being unable to vote. Yeah. So that'd be, that'd be fair. It's a very interesting way to run a company. I think he's followed through with all of the poll results so far, except... The last one was um, where he would step down. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we'll see if he follows through with that or not. 
just a quick update. Um, the Twitter stock peaked in February, March of 2021. Oh. It was actually on a, it was doing pretty decent. Um, like July up to when it went private. Oh. What do you think about in terms of censoring accounts or censoring stories on, I guess we can move outside of Twitter, but like just social media in general and the impact of that on, I don't know, say democratic elections. Do you have any opinions? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, I'd say, well, where do you want to like start? <laughs> um, do you think that I'll, I'll frame up two stances, basically. One stance would be, it's good to censor what we would deem to be, say, like dangerous information or dangerous accounts that are spreading potentially misinformation or potentially dangerous information that would harm other people or something like that. And uh, say another argument would be that we should never um, like deep platform or ban people and we should allow speech of any kind, even if it is potentially dangerous. I'd say follow First Amendment rules, but like kind of like in the way that you can't yell fire on an airplane. Um, don't uh, do anything that could cause danger. Yeah. Even online. So I guess the, then the problem is like, how do we define if you were in that position, like you're the moderator of Twitter content, who gets to moderate what is danger? I'd say like anything that could incite a of like a an action to occur that would cause harm on another. Hmm. No, that's a very fair point. Like I agree that yeah, we should limit violence, but I think it it would become like a very difficult thing to moderate. Yeah. And I would not necessarily yeah. want to be Oh yeah, no, I wouldn't want to be a moderator. <laughs> yeah, but I, think I feel that's like where like, in the way in where we were talking about with Twitter, I feel like Elon was trying to moderate himself, like or he was trying to do most of the moderation by himself, which is where it kind of came off and really, yeah. I feel like I've heard it spun that he's rolling back um moderation that was in place when he bought the company really yeah hmm. as in i think a lot of accounts their bans were lifted hmm. um, yeah in that sense yes i know but with the what is it what i was thinking was with all the what is it the impersonation accounts yeah well what happened he was well, taking a lot of those down yes i know like what was i mean the most famous one i think was Kathy Griffin was impersonating him yes. and um, he banned her, but then 
he banned her for like two days or something. And I believe she started tweeting from a dead relative's account, which is like further. I think that that, yeah, she like missed Twitter so much that she like logged into her like dead mother's uh, Twitter or something and started tweeting back at him. But actually, I think I think she was only banned for like, I don't know, maybe like a couple days or a week or something like this. So. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because I, I wonder how much, like, power um, Elon actually has over the company. Like, if he legitimately could just, like, ban someone just because he wanted to or not. I think he could. I mean, he owns it, so. Yeah. I guess in theory, yeah. I don't know. It'll be, it's it's really interesting to me that he's taken such a hands-on approach and sort of has been like playful with like sort of like trolling people on a large scale um i mean 44 billion dollars just to like troll people on twitter is a pretty interesting move by him there's ish what's up (laughs) this is our like special topic spinoff of the democracy thing so we've completely abandoned the outline basically and we kind of got into talking about Twitter. Outlines suck. No more outlines. Yeah. <laughs> what are your, I mean, obviously you missed the whole last conversation, but what is your just off the top of your head opinion of recent events regarding Twitter? Well, I'll start off by saying what I know, right? Because I feel like things change so fast. So I don't like ever. I feel like I'm not like always 100% informed, but what I understood was Twitter was supposed to, Elon Musk was supposed to buy Twitter or he was supposed to like be the leader of it or whatever. And then he backed out and then legally he couldn't do that. So he was compelled to buy it. Um, and then now he's like in charge and then he just started firing everybody who was, I guess, a liberal. <laughs> and then he... Yeah, and then he just started changing rules and policies and started to expose stuff about the company. Um, and I guess he, like, he like votes people. Or he, like, creates these polls where if you want, like, cer- certain somebody to come back or you want a policy to change, he just puts it up to a vote on everybody on Twitter. Everyone votes for it, and then he changes it. Um, but then I think recently he didn't put a vote to something, and he just kind of changed the policy without letting anybody know. And then he got, like, flack for that. Honestly, I'm kind of for it. I don't know. Like, I think Twitter was becoming an echo chamber where there wasn't any, like, it was just completely one-sided after a certain point when everyone just started getting banned left and right. So, I don't know. I think it's, like, I think it's the right move because all those people who got banned, they eventually started finding other platforms with a, for allowing them to have their say so i don't know i think the way twitter was originally was perfectly fine and then they started to like police it but and then i think like i i guess one thing i really liked about what elon was doing was there were certain things like if it's in a violation of rules he won't just like completely ban somebody he'll like make their content like it won't get boosted right i think it's it was something like that in the algorithm so if like someone says something that's like 
completely inflammatory, completely derogatory, completely just like awful, right? He won't just like ban it. He'll just say, well, we're not going to promote it and we're not going to make it like as accessible. So I think that kind of restriction kind of makes a little bit more sense. But if somebody wants to find a piece of information and wants to find what a celebrity is saying or whatever, they can go and find it. I don't know. I think that's the way the internet should be used. Like anybody should have access to it and say what they want. Yeah. I think it, it's so weird following this when I've been on Twitter for, I don't know, six or seven years, maybe. Oh, and I almost feel like my personal interaction with it has never changed like the whole time. Like it still seems like it functions pretty much the same. Like there's some more ads and I get things um, like that pop up into my feed that I don't actually follow now, but other than that, yeah. it's pretty much the same. But I think, I mean, to the echo chamber part, like, I feel like you could claim that you could definitely make that, but um, I feel like so much of it is curated on just what you interact with and who you follow on Twitter. You can like completely oh, change. Like, one time just as an experiment, I like completely changed my feed just in like a week. Yeah. No, yeah, your I've, feed is pretty much just people you follow and people who you follow follow. So if you're following people, you tend to want to hear what they have to say. So if you, I'd say on Twitter, if you're not following someone, you're not going to get as much as their content. So it does kind of become an echo, echo chamber, but that's just because that's who you're choosing to follow. So if you're choosing to follow like various different sides of things and various different politicians that don't have the same stance, you're not going to get into as much of an echo chamber, but that's just, yeah, that just ends up being who you follow. I do think it's gotten a little bit more um, political, like as in all the, like every account kind of makes like more political statements in general. I mean, maybe that's who I've followed, but I feel like I've kept it similar and like just politics comes up more often now i'm not i'm i'm curious if that's if like the engagement or the increase of like political commentary on social media has actually translated to like more political engagement or civic engagement in society because i think that i i don't know i vaguely remember like mark zuckerberg saying like this is about you know facebook is about communities it's about getting people more involved and like we are like using this platform to like solve like real world problems and i'm really curious if that actually I mean, has wasn't facebook its origins are basically getting ivy league kids dates yeah <laughs> basically <laughs> like... yeah it was <laughs> i don't know yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie, that social network movie. That was that was a pretty good movie. I've never seen that. Oh, you haven't watched it? It's good. No. I've I never like gotten it. into like the Zuckerberg. Like I, he's probably the person I know the least about in terms of some of these like tech big name like tech guys. I guess what I know is like he actually comes from like a pretty like well educated family, and. Yeah, like he's not like zero to hero or he doesn't have like a weird like backstory like what's his name? Steve Jobs where like his parents abandoned him 
and he got like adopted. He doesn't have like that kind of like tragic backstory. But yeah, I don't know. He's it, just really it was just pissed. interesting. They, they made it really dramatic. That's what, that's what I gotta say. Like this, like the Social Network, like made like Harvard like seem like a really cool school, right? Like that college yeah. life was like really interesting, and then it like, you know, just like the whole like betrayal. Like it really focused the whole storyline is just like a focus of Zuckerberg's like betrayal of the Winklevoss or the Winklevoss twins, and it like it jumps back and forth between like a like a like a settlement kind of lawyer room between him and his friends and like actual the development and the building of Facebook and how like Facebook blew up. But I don't know. I Facebook, I don't even use, I don't even really touch Facebook that much, but it's funny because too many ads. And then like, I feel like the content was ever focused and I never felt like the, the content that I was getting was engaging. And I wasn't like so and I feel like Facebook now is just being regarded as like the old people social yep. media. Like I I'm a teacher also. And uh I mentioned that I was on Facebook to my students and they told me that I needed to delete it and not touch my computer for like another forty years because nobody uses Facebook anymore. <laughs> um so I I think that in like the younger generations, discouraging people from using Facebook. I'm, I'd say some of them are even moving away from Instagram. Um, it's all about TikTok now, and it's all about Snapchat. Really? Facebook back, does back in the picture? Yeah. Hmm? Really? Um, let me toss this up, since you have the bit of the computer science background. What do we think in general about algorithm-driven content? Are there any mm -hmm. dangers there? What are the pros, cons? I'd say there are, it, it's it can be manipulated but um through things like SEO and all that kind of stuff. So if you know like the kinds of um algorithms that are being used to manipulate like what you are seeing, um the people that are like aware of those can um have a bigger influence on what people are seeing but yeah i i would say that if you know what you're doing you can create a bigger impact is it true that in the united states like tiktok is different than tiktok in china like it's funny because i got this information from tiktok itself where they say oh kids in, in china are seeing like tiktoks about like inventions and like math and science and then kids in America. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I don't. I don't really follow a whole lot of the the TikTok news and like what's going on. I know TikTok is a Chinese company. Then I honestly like TikTok. I mean, yeah. I, yeah. I actually genuinely enjoy it. Like, I I never like. Yeah, there's a few things I'm just kind of like okay, like I can scroll past that, but kind of like Twitter too. You can find a lot of people posting like useful like there's a lot of cool construction stuff like people coloring mm -hmm. and like architecture and like drawing and I, I like i eat that up and it's like you got a cool song playing in the background to it so it makes it a little more interesting and enjoyable than just like watch a youtube video i guess yeah it uh and if you get bored you just scroll on to the next and i do yeah. know a lot of governments and corporations have banned their employees from having tiktok 
On yeah, because phone? that's how it, the way that it gets its money is through data mining. Yeah. So your company, how can your company have that much of a say on like what you do with your personal time and your own phone? Well, on a company phone. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah, like specifically military and, and such. Yeah, because if they're using that phone for like, you know, like mil if they have confidential military information on that phone, they don't want that data to be mined by uh, China, like outside countries. Yeah, it's kind of there's this is somewhat related, but like um, the military had a problem with people using Strava or other uh, like geolocation oh, really? tracking things because they were giving away base locations when they were uploading their runs and walks huh. yeah <laughs> i like strava oh yeah you're a runner huh. yeah i i feel like a lightweight because ever since i got an apple watch and they're like and i was like oh i got my like apple watch and like real runners they're like oh you know oh no i i use i i like my apple watch oh, i really? uh I, like yeah i thought i was cool yeah. but then like you know hardcore runners would be like oh, yeah. oh, you need strava and i'm like i don't have strava i don't have time for I, strava. I mean you can upload from your what is it from your apple watch to strava oh and, i mean that's yeah mm. you just gotta import your run you shouldn't do it there's a way you can set it up to do automatically i believe what so i mean i guess back on the topic of just like social media what what is like there there's there's a lot of data that speaks about how like social media i think specifically instagram is um causing body dysmorphia and i'm not sure if there's there's another thing to it but causes a lot of body dysmorphia uh for women uh specifically young girls um mm -hmm. do, do you think that instagram has I guess a kind of like an ethical responsibility or they have like an ethical burden that they carry by having this platform and are they responsible? Um, I'd, I'd say, yeah. I mean, if you have a platform and you're using and you have users that are like underage, they're definitely susceptible to like that kind of, uh, that kind of an influence and just having and them having, I think, I'd say having those kids looking at things that could negatively impact their like view of themselves, and that Instagram being able to prevent that, like them not preventing that, is kind of like negligence in a way do you th i guess but then on, on the other hand and I'm, I'm i'm like clay this is your job man you're, you're the devil's advocate bro uh like but do you think if we were to put restrictions on instagram for example so like if, if there's like a 25 25 year old woman who wants to you know wear the, the latest brands and you know do the latest like tiktok trends and then instagram comes and says you know, your content is no longer going to be accessible to 15, 16 year old girls. Do you think that's like an infringement on like someone's like, I guess, freedom of speech? I, I think that would fall under freedom of speech. 
and honestly we can like could, we can yeah. we can cross apply this conversation to just like even to like a political realm yeah. like is instagram twitter facebook responsible for other like degeneracy that happens in our society well, i'd but, say yeah if the, you can prove that you're they're causing harm like and we were talking about moderation on twitter earlier mm -hmm. and how you would determine what causes um uh what constitutes as something that would cause harm to someone and i i I'm not a moderator, and I I, I don't want to draw any lines. I think it's an impossible thing to to draw a line on. Like, in terms of the body image thing, I think a lot of it comes from. Well, recently you've seen like a big pushback against filters and things like this, or photoshopping. Um, but again, I don't think it's something that you can outright ban and i don't think you can really age restrict it either hmm. because i don't know i don't think you could classify what content you actually wanted to eliminate i think if anything this is more of just like an intensification of market the, the style of marketing and media that America has kind of created. Um, I think America sells like a very hyper real. Um, my mic disconnect. America sells a very hyper real, um, a hyper reality, like a hyper sexuality, a hyper everything is very intense and like perfect. And that's the image that american marketing kind of strives for or at least had and then i mean we've seen like different pushback like different like po body positivity movements and things like this to counteract it but i think like that's kind of been a push of american marketing for a long time i think i mean i have mixed feelings about it i mean obviously i don't like the idea of like young girls like becoming insecure about themselves right but i think there's also like something positive to to take away of you know i mean for guys and girls to say like okay like it's good to be fit it's good to look good right and like there's that kind of like idea or like you should strive for a good life you should pursue happiness right you shouldn't just like aspire to be you know a nobody and not have anything have have no possessions um so like on that end i'm not like totally against like people like posting like, hey, I'm working out and, you know, I'm trying to eat healthy. Like, I think there's a lot of positive trends that come out of it. But yeah. at the same rate, it's like when we look at the data and we look at the statistics, like, I don't know. Could I mean, like, wh wh where does that education start? Like, wh where do you come and tell like, you know, a young guy or girl like, hey, like, you know, that's not like exactly always true. And that's not exactly real. And actually getting them to see that. Because I can even, like, say for myself as a young person, like, growing up, I'd be like, wow, like, that's, like, the ideal relationship or, like, that's how things are supposed to be. But then, like, you kind of get older and you're like, oh, no, like, things are actually difficult and hard. That, you know, that six-pack that you're working for, it's not, like, it's going to come, <laughs> you know, just by drinking some muscle milk. Um, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I think, okay, I, I guess I should say yeah. I would separate, like, my personal beliefs and what I think is best practice from what I think can be allowed on social media. Um, I think you should have some sort of maybe like a media literacy is what we used to call it. It'd be infinitely more difficult now, but some sort of social media literacy would be great. But I think that even if you ban these in certain outlets, like people are going to end up seeing them eventually. And this is kind of the environment that we live in and we need to teach people how to handle it and how to deal with it more so than we need to restrict the content, I would mm -hmm. say. So it'd be like, use social media responsibly. Little tagline when you download it. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't have to be like a PSA or something obnoxious to slap you in the face with. I mean, I think most people like understand- service. What's that? Like a terms of service. Like yeah. You have to read the terms and conditions, agree to it before you use the app. Yeah, I've never done that. Yeah. Making it, yeah, I think that, no, Terms and service in general, though, like across the internet is just like, it's a nightmare. Like you, you can't actually, like no one sits and reads it. You're just like, I need to get to this application. That's just how the company uh, covers themselves. Yeah. In event of a, just so, so they don't get sued. <laughs> well, I mean, like, I feel like it'd be good just to even say like, like a few big bullets in the beginning, like the major stuff and say like, if you want to read more. Yeah then like you can go and read more if you're like that meticulous. But like for me, it's just like I need to know, okay, like you're not going to sell my data. Like, you know, I don't know, just like just the basic stuff about like that I need to know about like this this software company. Just like a company statement. Yeah, something just easy to read. But the thing is, is that these companies aren't just creating products for our benefit. Like the ultimate at the end of the day, unfortunately, as it may be like these companies have to make money. Right. So I think some people at the beginning of the internet, there were kind of two groups of people and some group of people wanted you to basically pay for your service. The other group of people offered you the service for free, but you're kind of the product. So mm -hmm. we've definitely gone down that path. I, I don't know if you guys remember, I think it was over the summer, Facebook for a little bit just like blacked out, like it just went down, right? And it, I Oh, I remember, or that was, um, or was it the whole, was it that one, it was like eight hours when it was down mm -hmm. and you're trying to get, yeah, no, I remember that because I, I work as an IT director in a high school Yeah. and everyone was coming to me and asking me why I blocked Facebook. Yeah. So... <laughs> Was you it should. Facebook or was it just Facebook or was it Facebook and Instagram? I can't it remember. It was Facebook. It was Instagram. It was um, uh, the Oculus. Uh, everything having to do with that was down. I feel like the world was so peaceful. I think it was a DNS issue, but I'm not positive. It was peaceful. I I like for, for a moment, like I think everyone just like like actually looked around and like looked at the birds and like. You know, felt a breeze and. Oh no! Everyone just went on TikTok. Oh really? I mean, at least oh, where no. I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, the kid, the kids in my class were like, "Oh, Instagram's down," and then the I got the emails asking me why I blocked Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, uh, everything's down." Yeah. Um, 
I think it was down for like six hours, which was, I think, Facebook's largest blackout in, I think, a 10-year period. Um, in like the first couple of years that they were up, I'd say in like, no, I think it was in like the first year that Facebook was up. It was like blacked out for like a day. But that was like the longest, I think for like most websites that like a major, um, that like a major uh, company has been down. At the risk of sounding like a crotchety old person, like how bad is it the kids on social media at school? Oh, yeah. It's not the best. I mean, I've had kids be in my class and make TikToks. Um, I'll be walking down the halls and I'll hear the the three, you know, the do 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 that signifies that it's starting to record. And then they'll like be dancing. Yeah. It's just like a lot. Like they really like to record the TikTok dances. And I feel like when I was in high school, if I were to record a TikTok dance in school, I wouldn't have a lot of friends. I mean, it's just like the way that things have changed. Like, what's cool now is not what was cool when I was a kid. You remind me of a, what's it called? Jump Street, 21 Jump Street. When like they, oh, yeah. they go back to the high school. He's like, wait, so yeah, the, the nerds are cool. And like, you know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't survive. Like if I had to go back to high school, I don't think I would survive. I, I feel like those kids are vicious and like they're mean and they would like, I don't know, take a picture of me and send it to all their friends and like they would all point and laugh and I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So like this, what do we think this type of, to tie us back to democracy, but the ability yeah. of everybody to just broadcast their thoughts like literally live broadcast, no matter what. I mean, we're doing it right now, basically. We're having a podcast. What kind of an effect does that end up having on democracy? Like, is it possible that people feel like democracy is underserving them or feel like we should become more direct democracy because we can all speak our opinions um, to a, a larger audience now? I think it's a technical skill. Like, I don't think everyone knows how to actually speak to a large audience. Like, some people they know, like, I I recently learned this, like, people who, like, I guess, specialize in social media marketing, they will look at the hashtags, they'll see what's trending, they'll look at, like, what are the right hashtags, and what are the things that people are into, then they'll cater their content to respond to those trends. And that's how they, they're able to just, like, catch on like and and build attention um not everybody knows how to do this so like every time someone puts a political post doesn't necessarily mean like they have the loudest voice in the room or they're so i i think it's also like disadvantaged i I think there's really an elite select group of people who actually are running like social media not by running it from like the instagram or facebook side but like running it as a user of social media that they could change political opinion immediately. Actually, this was a really interesting thing. I was listening to NPR just around COVID and they're saying that all the backlash, like all like the political decisiveness that was happening around COVID could have been prevented if this, I think it was the CDC, if the CDC had recruited, you know, 
doesn't even have to be every celebrity, but just like a group of celebrities, each one. They did. They did. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what is it, that one video where they were all singing? Oh, I don't remember that. Oh, I felt like every politician came, or every um, celebrity basically came out and voiced opinion of several COVID-related things. Yeah. Yeah. Man, I guess I missed that then. I felt like the NPR was like, make it like, but was that like later in the thing or was that like after it was kind of already just like a total mess? Well, <laughs> depends on when <laughs> it became a total mess, I guess, in your yeah. opinion. But <laughs> I don't know. I think that like we were kind of saying, I think that media has become so fractured that you, I don't think you can really create, um, like unity on like one stance just through a, a public marketing campaign, basically. I think people eventually doubt it as well because they're like, well, you're, you're pumping all this time, energy and money into marketing this, this thing for me to believe in. And then even if you're presenting them with all the facts and all the truth and all the experts, um, someone will be like, you're, you're just trying to indoctrinate me. It's propaganda. It's not really media. It's not honest journalism. And then, you know, they're completely shut off from that. Um, and then what becomes their more reliable sources of information is like more local, more local sources. So maybe like, yeah, like screw Fauci, but like if my physician that I've been visiting for like 30 years tells me to get a vaccine and, you know, shows me the reasons for it, they'll be more likely to listen to that guy than the man on the screen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a theory. I don't know if that's actually like true or not, but that's maybe where I mean, I guess going. that kind of goes alongside like you tend to believe what your family believes because that's what you knew growing up. True. So you tend to believe the people closer to you and the people on social media and like all the political figures and all that stuff. They're just so far removed that they don't make as much of an you might not see them making as much of an impact on your life as the people around you. Mm-hmm. I think during COVID, there's a real crisis of authority. There wasn't really any group that could claim like legitimate authority in, during the situation. The groups that you would normally look to at that time, I feel like they kind of waffled several times back and forth on issues early on, and it kind of hurt their credibility. Um, and just for the fact that this is sort of a new phenomenon, I mean, nobody really, I don't know that anybody knew exactly what to do. I, I just find it strange, like, that was a thing that I feel like really divided people. Like, I, I felt like, you know, if, if you're a country, right, and you're a people, and we all share the same values, that when you are threatened by something that will harm you, even if it's a little bit, right, it doesn't even have to be a lot, right? Like, how many, how many lives do you have to lose for it to be a lot? That you would expect that people would bum, bundle together and unite, not drift apart, and I still don't like, 
I don't know, it feels like just like a dream, like the whole situation, like how it happened. But it it, it was a lot of things. Like I, I feel like there was just like a lot of things that because we, we weren't even sure. Like some people were saying, like, oh, it's it's horrible, it's death, like this is like the worst thing ever. And then at the same rate, it was like, was it really that bad? And then we just couldn't like agree, like, was it really a threat or was it or was it not really a threat in hindsight 2020 i feel like the the like the media coverage of it was incredibly exaggerated and i even know like like i've, I've told clay this before like i have physicians in my family and like eventually they start to look at the data and they're like no this wasn't as like the reaction that we had for this wasn't as bad but at the same rate other physicians that i've met they'd be like you know, the hospitals were over capacity and our institutions weren't able to ha handle it. So I think, you know, full circle back to Clay's point, there, there definitely was a crisis of authority of, you know, what, what do you believe in? Who do you trust? And I feel like, you know, I think it, like you become atomized at that point, whether or not you're going to make a decision for yourself, like you get vaccinated or not. I don't know. Jordan, any thoughts? Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> so back to me. <laughs> I, uh, I think COVID is just such a, it's such a difficult thing to talk about. I feel like we're still not out of the, um, it's not like resolved. aftershock of COVID. What? I, yeah. I feel like it's still unresolved. Like, like I don't. Yeah, there's it's still out there. I mean, people are people are still getting COVID. Well, right, but I mean, like, um, if we're gonna look back on this, like, you know, five years from now, like, you should have some sort of resolve in terms of like, you know, was it really that? But I think it will eventually happen. Like, once the data kind of settles and the dust settles, and we look at the data in terms of like how many people actually died, how was it handled? Was it handled correctly? Like, but it's just, I still feel like there, there isn't, you know, some conclusive, like, thoughts in terms of, like, wh wh where was this, like, in our history? Um, I think it kind of, I think it blew the lid off of, I mean, maybe it, it was never a real thing to begin with, but it blew the lid off of at least the vision or the, um, appearance of some sort of hegemony or mm. unity among like a whole group of people or amongst um oh no our lamp just turned on to like sleep mode this is a uh, almost my bedtime oh man but no i think like it just like blew the lid off of the whole thing of um oh we have like some authority that we can always go to as americans that is true no matter what and we'll like yeah, unfortunately, I think I think that was brewing, and this might have been the thing that really blew the lid off. Mm -hmm. of it. it just caused a lot of doubt in just people that around you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember my general manager when, like, we kind of had people who were really like, you know, like I guess anti-vaxxers. Like, I, I work in contracting, so like. It was weird because we were in Michigan and 
it's like you have like liberals, but you also have like conservatives. And he didn't like have to say it, but like he was pretty much a liberal. But I felt like he handled it like pretty well where he, he, he would just tell people like you have to be understanding, you know, um, you have to be respectful to other people's like personal choices. And like he tried to use as much like unifying language as much as possible for like our business unit wouldn't like just like stop functioning <laughs> altogether. Um, but <laughs> it was still really funny. Like, you know, you would have people in the office like putting on their mask like so so. Right, because we would have like meetings, like circle around meetings, and everyone had to put on their mask while we would sit in the meeting. Right, <laughs> you had some people in the office, man. Like we would all be eating, right? And he's like coughing, he's like sneezing, he's like like going back and forth, <laughs> and we would like yell at him. But it's like at that point, like yeah, I guess all of us got COVID, right, at that moment. Um, but like you know, we tried to like you know enforce the rules like yeah put on a mask like put on hand san sanitizer do everything you can so like no one gets covid but like there were just so many natural human interactions that you had to do like you have to like give your guy a hug like you have to like go for the dab right and like you know like you just can't stop that all the time right mm -hmm. i don't know i th those like those are moments were kind of comical in my opinion hindsight 2020 uh <laughs> Like you just have my boss like yelling at one guy, like, put your damn mask on. Like, what are you doing? Right? People are dying. But, um, you know, like people just forget. People like they weren't perfect. And there's only so much you can do to stop something that is like invisible, right? It's like you can't even see it. And like, I don't know. So I think that's one way to look at it. I, I think sometimes we look at it from a very dark and gloom like moment. But I think if we're able to like get to a point where it's just like, yeah, some things are just kind of out of our hands and like some things are inevitable inevitable and like like we did everything we possibly could and you can kind of just say like, yeah, it was it was weird, but doesn't mean everything has to stop or like things can't be back the way it used to be. Yeah, I think that's probably a good conclusion sort of to draw from it. I, I think sometimes we get this sort of I don't know, pride in our scientific advancement or this sort of false hope, but we still can't really completely contain um, natural disasters on this kind of a level. So I think there's definitely some, like an element of, of pride and um, just trusting. I hate that, like, it was weird how the term trust the science became such a big thing at this time as if science was like some unified position that could be fully trusted. But I, th I think it was such a complex thing that there are people uh, that were scientists on multiple sides of it. And there were, in some ways it, there, there were inevitabilities that you couldn't prevent even when following the science to the best of your ability. Yeah. Yeah. And then that, that I guess that ties back to your point originally about like, uh, authority like there's a little bit of a crisis of authority there um but yeah i, I always found it weird i i think science like at like if you have to like say like there's a group of scientists like kind of play overplay their hand in terms of their methodologies and the conclusions that they arrive at and like you can't just look at everything through a scientific lens 
like and just resolving like certain political things can't just be resolved through science like you can't just be top down and say this is the evidence this is a science like you know follow and listen and obey um that that's also not feasible which i like like i like like i like that people like like as americans we actually have like somewhat of the courage to like push back against that like work like like scientific work i mean to to say that no you have to appeal to me like i don't think americans were just completely against like getting a vaccine or taking the proper measures but you have to p appeal to me in a different way you can't just say because this guy on the screen told me to get a vaccine i'm gonna get a vaccine right i need something else to tell me this is why it's important so um i guess that's just the you know I'm not sure if the word is pros and cons of like having freedom, but like, I think overarchingly, I think it's a good thing to have people who can question the system and not people just going to blindly follow things. Jordan, any thoughts? Um, circle back to me. <laughs> That's what you said last time I asked. This is me circling back. Yeah. Oh man. He has like that Oodle card. Like the the switch, yeah. yeah. Oh man. Okay, we can uh, change the topic from COVID. I think we've yeah, we've beat that. There's so much yeah. that's been said about COVID at this point that it's kind of it still is very interesting. There were a lot of like strange dynamics. Yeah, I feel like we won't know what it what we won't know till it's over. And what do you mean by who that? knows where we are? Like, we won't know a definitive answer on, like, what we did or not or, like, how it was until it's over. So are you saying it was a lab leak? Uh, Is that what you're saying? I don't, I don't know. You're being really cryptic right now. Oh, I... <laughs> no, I'm just messing with you. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Maybe we can go all the way back to Ish wasn't here, but we were kind of um, talking about uh, direct democracy versus representative democracy or republicanism. Um, I know you had kind of pitched the pro direct democracy, so maybe we can have a discussion about that. I'll let you, I, Jordan, I'll let you go first and kind yeah. of. Give your pitch for direct. What? Oh, um, so I was saying that, um, uh, I'd say direct democracy would be ideal for like smaller communities and the smaller the community, the more direct you can get, but the bigger the community, the more you'll have to resort to like representative democracies. Hmm. True. Um, so like scalar. Yeah, I think that's true. And like we kind of said earlier, I think that some of that is baked into American, um, the American system. But so maybe to frame it even tighter, like, do you think that we have direct enough of a say in federal policy? I, 
Well, federal tends to, like, in America, tends to be almost solely representative. Yeah. So, I, I, w I wouldn't say we have a whole lot of, uh, say, federal. You're voting on your federal representatives is not, like, inaccurate enough. Yeah. Okay. Ish, any thoughts? Well, I... I like the idea of having an educated class of people who understand the dynamics of or understand how the outcomes or the potential outcomes of certain choices on an intergener intergenerational level. Um, I think in terms of like personal freedoms and, you know, um, personal rights, I think that's where we should have our direct democracy kind of kick in on a local or on a federal level. But in terms of like determining like taxes, in terms of deciding budget spending, um, these kinds of affairs, I think we should have a say in terms of who gets voted into office, but leaving it up to them to actually do the due diligence to read policy, um, you know, be connected with embassies, um, have ambassadors, um, you know, do do a lot of field work and do a lot of data collection, and then you know formulate an opinion. And then obviously report that back to the people and vote appropriately. So, so how much? <laughs> let me pose even another question. Yeah. How much do you think our represented, our representative, um, say our elected representatives, how much of a say do they even have on the final outcome of policy or, you know, like you only have four years there or something, you get to vote on a few measures, like how much do they really shape and influence um, our continuous federal policy versus like just people that can be inside these institutions for a longer amount of time, maybe they serve in cabinets, um, Maybe they serve in various government bodies. I think they have quite a bit of say, actually. I, I think they do actually have, they, they're actually equipped with, you know, a certain amount of influence and power. Because the, the further that you ascend in the political ladder, if you want to call it that, the more work that you've typically have had to, have had to done. I mean, like Trump is obviously like an anomaly to that, you know, to that point but generally speaking you you need to have a pretty solid and clean political career in order to reach a point of government and like by having a career or a career in anything just to make it more relatable for um for the conversation like you're doing a lot of networking you have to have proven yourself time and time and time again you you've had to do um you know you have had to do a lot of policies you have to do a lot of the day-to-day -day work You've had to have build trust with people, right? So, like, as as much as I might not like like Hillary Clinton, or I might not like any of the Clintons, or I might not like any of the Bushes, right? At the end of the day, like, there's a lot of relationships and there's a lot of like understanding of American institutions as necessary for you to reach that point, um, and you know, to be generally speaking, an effective leader. Um, I kind but, of yeah. Um... I don't know. I kind of disagree on the highest level. I think that that's true for lower level politicians or maybe like 
lifetime representatives or people that work in these sorts of bureaucracies that I'm saying, but I think in terms of president, you almost need to be more so just an ascendant leader and just like ride a wave of momentum. I think mm -hmm. you could think of, you said Trump is sort of an anomaly, but Reagan had Reagan, a very yeah. political experience. And honestly, Obama really didn't even have that much political experience. I think these are just more like transcendent leaders that kind of just like caught a wave and wrote it into office. And in terms of Bush and Clinton or Kennedy's, things like that, you could probably make more of an appeal towards like money or different types of entrenched power versus political skill. Or maybe they go hand in hand, but yeah. Yeah, I, I think that does kind of like damage like the idea of like the American dream because like the American dream is supposed to be like you work hard, you play your cards right, you know, you'll get somewhere. But then you have one guy who just can like zoom past all of that and say, well, I'm in charge now because I was able to read the trends. Then again, shouldn't like the modern politician know how to read the trends and know how to appeal to the trends. But I find it hard for somebody to do that. Like imagine like Marcy Capture, for example, would one day like, you know, start doing TikTok videos and stuff. Cause she's like, well, this is what people want. And this is how I'm going to get into office. And this is how I'm going to do what's best for the people. Like, you know, that's hard to imagine as well. For I did. I had a tweet a while yeah. back that said, um, Trump was the first reality TV star to become president. And there will be a, a president that's a TikToker. Why not? I mean, yeah. I think that's really is the American dream, you know, to be a being able TikTok to president, being able to uh, be able make to make TikTok videos in the White and House. then switch over to being able to govern. Yeah. <laughs> like, isn't that what you gotta you have? Some <laughs> yeah. So I I do think being able to pursue both is a uh Oh it's it's good. <laughs> oh keep going. Uh, uh, uh I was kind of uh I, I just wanted to no. <laughs> I have a question. Yeah. Why Why is it only, and I'm not sure if it's just modern history or if there's examples in pre-modern history where women were allowed to vote. Why, why are women allowed to vote? Right. Like, if... That's a good question. I mean, like, I feel yeah. like it's a question. <laughs> I, I feel like it's... Yeah. it's <laughs> It's a good question, but like the answer, I feel like has been forgotten. Like the reason why it's 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 a right. I feel like to a large degree, it's just kind of been like shuffled in the past, and it's like and that's the thing with like I guess like by being a progressive, it's like we progress, but then we forget like the previous steps in terms of how we got here and things. Yeah, I feel like we should. Well, well hold on. I feel like we need to what, go back. Yeah, what's your answer to why a woman should vote? I don't think they should. Okay, Ish, what's your, what is your, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> I mean, honestly, honestly, I mean, I, I think I've already been canceled based off the last podcast that we had, but it's on a conversation on slavery, right? So I, I guess <laughs> yeah. it, it can't get much worse than this, right? But I actually, okay. I actually think that women have a lot of soft power that they have. Um, and by making men the sole bearers of responsibility for voting and for decisions is a much neater and cleaner outcome than causing a lot of cultural wars um, that can happen. So um, I, when I say like women shouldn't vote, I'm not saying like women are excluded from society or don't have a say in society. I think that they exercise their say and their power in many different ways um, than voting, but exclusively for voting for policies. Um, I, I think men should be at the forefront and when they're right, when they vote, then great. Right. But when they're wrong, right. Men can more easily face the consequences of those uh, poor voting decisions. Okay. I think that that makes sense. If you live in a society that is focused on marriage or a family unit to some extent. Mm. Um, but even within family units, I feel like there's quite a diversity of. Yeah. Like leaning, but. Like people in uh, uh, same sex relationships where you, it just ends up. Well, both parties of the household can't vote or neither of them can vote. Yeah. Maybe we let 35 and up lesbians vote, but not the rest of them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, 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 does, it does set up for, I, I would say, patriarchal, patriarchal like society, right? This was all, sorry, my, my wife is telling me I need to, no, these are all jokes. Like, I'm actually, jo I am legitimately joking. I think women should vote, but... Okay. It is a fun discussion to say, like, why, <laughs> um, to talk about, like, why they didn't in the past and why they could or should now or why they shouldn't. But it's just, like, an interesting conversation to have. Sorry-ish. Yeah, no, I mean, it's it's fine. I mean, like, when I say that, I'm, like, not for it, right? It's not like I think, like, the current situation, the current status is, like, an awful outcome, right? Um, but... Um, I, I think that like the role that a man should have in a society is they're always, they should, they should be the line of defense. They should always be the people who are uh, willing to fall when there's danger. Right. Um, so that's, that's kind of my leaning and tendency, but for the most part, I don't think there's like, it's a, it's an awful situation that women can vote on, you know, issues that they care about and they can, um, civically participate. Um, but I, I think when you can say that, well, the men, they vote and, you know, if things go wrong, then they're responsible. Um, but yeah, <clears throat> that sounded somewhat coherent. No, it does sound coherent. I think that there's different types of like, of um, social dynamics at play there. I, in situations where males aren't present or whatever, there's definitely are women that can take on that level of leadership and that level of responsibility. So it'd be tough to single out 
all women, I guess, and say yeah. that none of them can act like that. I mean, I know, I think like the most common argument would be something like women are more prone to voting emotionally or something like this. But I think there's like plenty of counter examples where that doesn't always, that's not always the case. That's true. <coughs> Jordan, yeah. you are well, the say, lone female on the podcast. Uh, I'd say um, not if you're considering this like a household thing, like voting by household rather than just like the males being able to only vote. I'd say not everyone in a household votes the same. Yeah. So I pers I think it should be by person, not by household. I think the US has and you could debate the pros and cons of this, but we've definitely driven ourselves to being um to identifying more with the individual even than other forms of social groups, I think. Like the individual is still kind of the base unit of American society more so I would say than a family even people that have families and that are married I think still view themselves very much in an individual, individual sense but again you could probably debate pros and cons of that I mean I think that's also why we see like some strains in male female relationships or like different types of <laughs> um Sorry, Olivia is like hiding over here to the side and she's like making comments and laughing and stuff, but. Just come okay, on the show, Olivia. Too. Yeah, I know she was supposed to be on and I, I think she got like shy or something at the last minute, but no. And then especially with uh, World War II and post-World War, I think our, the book kind of goes into that, but women definitely started entering the workforce and continuing to view themselves as more more as individuals and um that's definitely been an interesting dynamic too as like men and women compete in the workforce yeah <laughs> no i mean i i think like I think it's like as much as there's popular discourse in terms of like being an individual getting a career Right. I don't, I'm not sure if I see a whole lot, at least in the mainstream media, a whole lot of representation for like the power of a family, right? The strength of a family, the strength of uh, traditional uh, family roles, right? Um, like I come from a family where there is very, you know, traditional family roles, right? Dad would work, mom would raise the kids, right? So when you have, that like it's still a healthy upbringing like you can't deny like that's that's also a very positive um you know thing to have and like people who do have that are like incredibly blessed um but i think like to your point clay it's like always like oh be an individual you know you're treated as an individual um you know realize yourself in your career um and i think there are kind of like subcultures and subgroups that are saying well like you know, women have been lied to that they are, you know, hyper-focused about, like, the wrong things um, in terms of, like, fulfillment. I don't think I take that extreme approach, but, like, you know, I think you have to present both 
you know, stories, you have to present both like, you know, potential ways that you can live your life and the choices that you can make. Because those choices that you make when you're young, like, you know, 17, 18, 19, like college, right? Those have like long-term impacts for the rest of your life, right? Um, So I, I think, you know, you have to give people both and show them, you know, both sides, the pros and cons of each. Like, yeah, you might lose out on a career, you know, maybe you're staying at home mom, you know, some people may look at that incredibly negatively, but some people look at that incredibly positively. Um, and I don't know, I guess just like, maybe I'm limited in terms of like my network, but I think the overwhelming, like woman I've met, it's, it's, it's generally speaking the same like narrative, like, you know, I have my career, I'm working on it. I want to work through, want to work through my marriage and family life. Um, and it's, I, I think it's incredibly rare, rare to hear somebody be like, I don't want to work. You work. You know what I mean? Um, like, you know, telling the guy like you work. So I'm not sure yeah. how common that is anymore. No, I, I mean, I think the pendulum will probably swing back um, a little bit the other way at some point. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there's there's been a focus on work and going after your career on both sides. Um, I think probably there has been a greater emphasis for women since they were lack. I mean, they've just since like the fifties just continuously been joining the workforce. So I think there was such a like concerted effort to get them to join the workforce. And you could go back to the roots of that and debate pros and cons of that. Like, yeah. Is it just companies that need more workers and like, we have campaigns to get women into the workforce, but in some ways, a lot of women probably have benefited from being I, like liberated from, from the family and yeah, from working. Yeah. They, they gain more independence financially and they can get themselves out of potentially bad situations. Yep. But I think you kind of subtly mentioned it too, Clay. Like, I think also like guys, there is a hyper focus on career as well. Like the, you know, you, you can't just say, tell a guy like your whole existence and purpose is just to work, work yourself death. Like that's also not a fulfilling way. To, and like some guys will literally like male suicide is a real issue. And I think it's like, we're, we're constantly sized up in terms of like how much we can provide, how much do we work? And that's also kind of a toxic way to live. So as much as I, I believe in that, yes, like that's a big function to what you do for society. It's not everything. And like, you know, you might have kids who have fathers, but like their fathers aren't there because they're constantly working or, you know, when they do come home, they don't know like how, how to have a relationship and how to be like emotionally connected. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. I think we all can continue to work towards more of a balance in our lives. Um, so let's wrap it up. Um, does anybody have closing remarks? Any final things that they'd like to touch on. Jordan, you can go first. What do you have oh, to say? Um, uh, democracy. Democracy. Um, Are you for or against democracy? I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm pretty pro democracy. Okay. Um, I'd say with what we were just talking about, um, I'd say one way of life shouldn't be forced on a group. 
So like you're you should be free to live your life how you want to. Yes. Mm. I agree. I think a lot of the, I think the pushback comes from when people I don't know, anytime like somebody pushes one way, people want to push back the other way and I think that's kind of where most of these discussions or arguments stem from ish any final remarks um i think it's always important to like continue to update yourself and make yourself sharper in terms of how you use social media and how you use technology so um i think it's ongoing education so if you're using social media for work just for your social relationships you got to stay on top of it if you eventually have kids you know you have to stay on top of it um, like I have my cousin, she's awesome. She has like, you know, like three little kids and, um, just like, I saw her just like around the house, like how she would moderate like her kids, like usage of like TV, PlayStation, iPad. It was like amazing. Right. So like, even as yeah. like young adults, you know, parents or whatever you eventually move into, um, be up to date on the research, be informed always be balanced with your approach with anything. Um, and I think from there, you kind of just set yourself up for, you know, a pretty decent outcome, never perfect, but I think that's a better outcome than having a very harsh stance one way or the other. Yeah, I agree. Um, so yeah, it's been fun having this like breakout episode of this democracy series, sort of a crossover between unfiltered coffee and, democracy um and yeah i think we still have like a few more episodes on this democracy thing that we'll be working on going forward so thanks for joining guys thanks for having us good night yeah